the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. We are in Galatians chapter 3, and we are going to continue on from what we had begun last week in my introduction to this passage. As we introduced it last week, we, we talked about you know, some of the things that Paul was, was dealing with, what he was struggling with, with the believers there in Galatia. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Um, this this word foolish, I believe we did talk about this last week, but the, the word foolish literally means without comprehension or intelligence. It means unwise. It It's one who doesn't know how to, basically it's one who doesn't know how to govern his own lusts. He doesn't know how to govern his, and when I say lust, it's not always a sexual thing that we're talking about. Sometimes the lust is what someone else has. It's, it's what someone else does. It's that you want to be in someone else's shoes. It's, it's that you lust for power, you lust for money, or you lust for whatever it is. It's, it lust can be in, in many, many, many different forms. And so Paul is using it in this. He says, oh foolish Galatians. You foolish Galatians, you are wanting something from somebody that is going to put you back under the law. Why would you ever want to do that? Why would you do that? Why would you be carried away with the hypocrisy of of Peter and and Barney and and all of those fellows up there that we just read about a few weeks ago in chapter 2? Why are you wanting to be put back under the law? You came to Christ. But why would you ever want to go back under the law? He goes on, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? And you know that that's, that's this, who has, it's a superstitious word that, that means charmed you or hypnotized you or magically induced you. Literally, it's to cast an evil eye. And there was this idea back in that day to cast an evil eye from a magician or a sorcerer, if you will, it would actually twist your, it would cause your mind to be uh, twisted a bit in, in his way of thinking. You've been, you've had an evil eye cast towards you. And because of that, you've been bewitched. You have had your thoughts changed. You have had your, your truths in your life changed. The things that you believe, the things that you think about. A Greek commentator even talks about this word, uh, uh, this word, and he says that, that on the works of the poet uh, Theocritus, he observes that the noun, that this noun uh, that is bewitched means one who with his eyes kills or destroys. And so Paul's saying, you foolish guys, you want to be something that that is going to lead you to death when you have life. Who has done this to you to destroy you? Who has cast this evil eye on you that would cause this destruction to come upon you as 
as a believer. It's going to destroy your, your walk. It's going to destroy your Christianity. It's going to destroy your faith in Christ. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? That, that truth that came from Christ. We know the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way and the what? All right. The truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through who? Well, Jesus, not you, but I'm just joking. I set you up. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. That is the truth. We're seeing just madness. All you got to do, don't do it now, but if you were to pick up your little phone and hit news, you're going to see just chaos, social chaos. We are in a, we are in just chaos in our country right now. Whether it be guns, whether it be, you know, politics, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, the Hollywood and, and all the things that are going on in Hollywood, you know, I, I'm thinking probably it shouldn't be just kind of whittled down to just like Harvey Weinstein and one or two other guys. It's probably the whole lot of them. And a lot of them are just, you know, covering themselves. And a lot of people have, have and, and there's just a mess that's going on out there. And so many of these people are coming in and saying, this is what happened. And they're accusing different people. One of the situations came out where, uh, you know, you know, that maybe you don't know the story. I was kind of was reading a story the other day about how you remember that some of you kids aren't going to remember this, but you remember the old Charles in charge thing with the old movie or the not movie, but the little sitcom, you know, where Scott Baio was Charles and he was in charge and he was like the, the man nanny, you know. For these kids, you know, it was seemed to be a wholesome show, and he always he always had a good message to it. One of the girls in there said that he has done some things that weren't right, and he's like flabbergasted. How, how? Why would you do such a thing? And as she has testified, I'm not saying he's right, she's right, whatever. The thing that I want to point out is she said, "This is what happened, and this is my truth." You see, there isn't your truth. There isn't his truth. There's only one truth. It's There's only one truth. You can't have, well, this is my truth. Your truth means nothing. Your truth is, is, is nothing. It's either the truth or it's not the truth. Because you can sway things all over the place. I was just talking to Bert earlier today. We were talking about, I didn't even know what we were talking about, you know, we... Some over there. I never can remember what Bert and I talk about, but we talk about everything. One of the things we were talking about, I don't remember what we were talking about. You were talking about the, we were talking about an argument. An argument, yes, an argument. There was an argument. There was a there was a not an argument between his wife and him. That no, it's not that. But there was a there was a disagreement. He said, you know, there's a disagreement where this person needs to, to they need to have a mediator that goes in there. And the thing is, is that we were talking about that and going, you know what? Here's this person is going to say the truth and this person is going to say the truth. And, and when they come together, then you're going to really find the truth. Because oftentimes there's this truth, person A's truth and person B's truth. But typically the truth is lies somewhere in the middle, doesn't it? And it's because of a breakdown of communication oftentimes. I thought that this person did this and so that's the reason why I'm going to respond this way. And because of that, this person's mad because you responded this way. I didn't do what you thought I was going to do. And so I responded back to you and you see it's a mess. It's a mess. 
Now, they feel justified for doing what they did because in their mind, you did this, but you didn't do that. And so your truth, it's not the truth. My truth is not the truth. There is the truth. Jesus is the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in our society, especially here in the United States of America, and it's going worldwide, but I look at the United States of America and I see the chaos that is happening. And it's becoming so out of control that Jesus, the light who is Jesus, is going to be a whole lot easier to talk to people in this dark world about. Because it is chaos out there. Somebody wants someone Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you guys that are over 40 years old, you wish that things could kind of go back to when you were a kid? Yeah. You know, I mean, back when we grew up, guys, kids, when I Love Lucy was on TV, not saying it was the most wholesome show or anything, but any kind of a sitcom that was on back in that day, when they'd show the bedroom of the husband and wife, there would always be two beds. They, they, they didn't want to put into any mind that there was anything going on. And then little Ricky comes out and you go, well, how did that happen? I don't know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They didn't want to portray something that would be wrong. And today, they're on our commercials. I mean, it's some of the commercials that are out there are just absolutely vile. They're vile. We can sit here and we can look at that and go, well, I, I know what I do. I, I just, I can't wait for heaven. But because God hasn't given me a ticket to go there today, because he hasn't given you a ticket to go there today, he hasn't called you home, hasn't called me home, hasn't called us home, it means that he still has us here for a season. At least for this day. And what are we to do? We're to be the lights. We're to, we're to go into this dark world. And we're to tell them the truth. The truth. That's what Paul's doing. Paul's telling them the truth. And I know this humorous video that we saw here today is exaggerated. But really, if you kind of look at the thing, he's just wanting people to follow the truth. Just do what's right. Just do what's right. Don't get swayed. Don't get, don't get caught up in what the world is doing and what the world accepts because the world is going to lead you down the wrong path. But the thing is, is that the world is going to hell, going to hell in a handbasket very quickly right now. It always has been. It just is very noticeable right now. And we have an opportunity as Christians to truly be lights in a very dark world. Right now, there were darkness that came upon this Galatian church, these, these Galatian churches. There was a darkness. And I don't know the scenario. I don't know if five or, you know, four of these churches came together for a barbecue. I don't know. I don't know if it was just at one of these churches. Most likely it was at one of these, or I'm sorry, it was in Antioch. It wasn't in Galatians. He's talking to the Galatians, but he's, he's saying, here's what happened in Antioch with Peter at our church. I'm sorry. I, I messed up a little bit. 
It wasn't in Galatia. He's recant, he's recalling the story to tell the Galatians what's going on. Because the Galatians are wanting to follow in to what was starting to happen in Antioch, which is just above Israel. These Galatian churches are, are, are more over in the Turkey region, and so they're, they're much further away than Antioch. But there's like a, a, a cluster of four churches up there that Paul is writing this book of Galatians to. And he's going, now this started happening on our church, and somebody had to stand up and say, enough is enough is enough is enough. Stop it. You know? Oh, foolish Galatians. How did you get... Mesmerized? How did how did you get hypnotized away from the truth? There is only the truth, and someone has brought in their truth before whose eyes that who has bewitched you? You should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. There is the the essence of the gospel. Jesus Christ was crucified for you. Clearly, it was portrayed amongst you. You saw it. You saw what was going on, whether or not you actually visibly saw the crucifixion yourself or whether you know those who actually saw it. You know that it's happened in our lifetime. We know in this room that there isn't a a problem with understanding. There isn't a confusion about understanding whether or not Christ died on the cross or that he rose again. You have people that have witnessed it. They've come here. They've witnessed to you. They've shared with you what they saw. Clearly portrayed before you was crucified. This I only want to learn from you guys. I mean, I need you to give me some information. I need you to to educate me. Paul says, did you receive the spirit of God by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Please educate me. Are you so foolish? Paul, Paul's pretty tough right here, isn't he? He's not pulling any punches. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? This is the second time that he's used the word foolish. Paul is using this word fool. Is he doing it to bully him? I don't think so. I really don't think Paul's here to bully the believers there in Galatia. He's not trying to beat them down. That's not who he is. He's not trying to make them feel stupid or simply beat them up with their and beat them up with his own intelligence. The character of Paul does not lend itself to hurtful words simply for hurtful stake. That's not who Jesus, or that's not who Paul has been. That's not who he's shown himself to be. Paul is using this word foolish, not as a dig, but he's using it in its truest form. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own, in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And so a fool will go, well, this is right because this is the way I feel. But wait a minute. Somebody else comes along and says, look, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. And your way 
is this way. That's your truth. This is the truth. You're walking your truth. And this is the truth. What will you listen to? Well, I'm going to go down this road. Well, then you're a fool. I mean, the Bible just, I I wouldn't want to say that. I'd probably get punched. But here's a person who has foolish tendencies. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Has anybody ever come to you as a believer? You're walking with the Lord. You you are walking down a road that maybe you're tiptoeing on that road. Somebody comes up and says, hey man, I'm concerned about you. Can, can we talk? Hey, they bring you aside and they say, hey, here's some things, man, I, I'm kind of seeing in your life. How did you respond to that? Have you ever have you ever taken something like that where somebody has brought that to you and say, you know what? You're right. You're right. I kind of knew it wasn't right. But man, you just confronted me on it and and thank you for being a friend. Thank you for showing me that that I'm walking down a road because At first, it was really hard to continue to walk down this road. But the more that I've continued to walk down this road, it's gotten easier and easier and easier. Thank you for loving me enough to come and point this out to me. You know what? I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to confess this to him, man. I I don't want to do this anymore because I know I'm in the wrong. I know that my life isn't right with the Lord. Is that person a fool or is that person wise? Yeah, he's wise. Proverbs 17, verse 10 says, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. (laughs) Think about that. Rebuke, a word of rebuke is more effective to a wise man than if you were to take a fool and hit him a hundred times going, Would you just get the idea that you are going down the wrong road. Huh? You know, I mean, you just keep punching him a hundred times. One word of rebuke to a wise man is more effective than if you were to get physical with somebody who's a fool. Proverbs 23, 9 says, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes when you confront a fool, when you confront somebody, and they they say, yeah, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it anyways. Oh my goodness, I've had a few people do that in my, in my life as a pastor. Where you go and you confront somebody, you talk to them, and they go, yeah, well, I know that's what you're saying. And I know that you, but you know what? I, I think it's okay. Are you serious? I mean, you're saying that you found the loophole? Remember the old W.C. Fields line? Remember who W.C. Fields is? None of you under 40 even know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. W.C. Fields was caught reading a Bible. Somebody came up to him and said, W.C. Fields reading a Bible? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's looking for loopholes, looking for loopholes. The thing is, is that there are no loopholes in the Bible. You are not the exception. When we find something in the Bible that says that my life is out of order, and yet I have been able to finagle the word of God, I've been able to 
work the word of God around to where I feel like I am in right standing with God while I'm doing the thing that the Bible says I shouldn't do. Because I've manipulated the Bible to say what it is that will allow me to stay in my sin. Is that a foolish thing to do or a wise thing to do? That's hopefully a foolish thing, right? That you would say that. It's a foolish thing. You go and you talk to a fool and he doesn't receive what you have to say. He will despise your words of wisdom. doesn't mean that you don't do it. It just, your heart can be broken. You'll know what to pray for. You'll know how to pray. But here's the thing. You've done what God's called you to do. That person's in God's court. I'm not saying, well, hey, I said it, so now my hands are clean. No, 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 no. That's not a heart of compassion. It's not a heart of mercy. We're trying to win people to Christ. We're not to just try to put a notch on our Bible case that says, well, I did what God wanted me to do today, so there, I did it. There's a difference between doing something, doing the right thing with for the wrong reasons. Then to slip up or mess up with your heart in the right direction trying to do the right things, but you mess up. I I would rather somebody wanting to pursue after God and fall and blow it because I know that they're not going to stay there. God's going to use that issue in their life or that that, that sin that was in their life or that failure in their life. He's going to use it because their heart is pliable. Their heart is willing to hear from the Lord. Their heart is wanting, is ultimately wanting to have what God has. You go, I I don't know that I totally agree with that. Listen, we've got 13 books of the New Testament that, that will testify to that exact statement. We wouldn't have 13 books of this New Testament if Paul wouldn't have gotten saved. When Paul got knocked on, knocked down on the road to Damascus to go and hurt more people, more Christians, Jesus knocked him down. He never kicked him while he was down. I never see Jesus kicking Paul while he's down. I only see Jesus talking to Paul saying, it's hard to kick against the goats. Is it not? Paul, isn't it hard to do what you're doing? He didn't even rebuke him. He didn't say, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're down on the ground. You're never going to get your eyesight back. I'm taking you out, man. He didn't do that. Why? Because I truly believe Paul thought what he was doing was the right thing to do. And and, and God didn't rebuke him. He, he said, hey, it's hard to do what you think is the right thing, but you're not doing the right thing. And that Jesus revealed himself to Paul in that. In such a dramatic way that when Paul received his eyesight back, it started to all make sense. Not only did he receive his physical sight back, but the spiritual insight, the spiritual sight that had been eluding him his whole life began to come into focus. When he'd look at passages in the Bible 
such as Psalm 22. Have you ever read Psalm 22? I, we're not going to read the whole thing, but, but some of you guys don't even know that this is there. I want you to hear this. Psalm 22. Here's how, here's how it, it, start, it starts off. Here's Psalm 22 starting off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away from helping me? And from the words of my great... What, who does that sound like? Where? On the cross, right? As he's being crucified on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It goes on. He talks about him. It ta- I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to read just a couple of little things. You know, he says, I'm poured out like water. Verse 14. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue, it clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is a picture of crucifixion that hadn't even been invented yet. If you want to use that term. What a horrible thing term to use on such a thing. Crucifixion hadn't yet been invented where they nailed the hands and the feet to a cross and hung them up to die. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my joints. They look and they stare at me and they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. It's exactly what happened to Jesus. This is, this is uh, David. David said this. King David said this in Psalm 22. And so here's the thing. The, the, the Old Testament, it's speaking. And Paul's looking at this and going, I, I don't, I don't know who this is talking about. He looks at this as a, as a religious Jew and he's looking at this going, ah, it's not making sense to me. I don't know who is this that's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who is this that's saying, they pierce my hands and my feet, my joints or my bones are out of joint. Who is it that is saying this? Who, who, I don't know who this is. Is it Israel? Is it a king? Is it someone else? Who is this? Paul couldn't come to that. A religious Jew couldn't come to that. Isaiah 53, same kind of a thing. There's so many different Old Testament passages that speak of the coming Messiah that were perfect prophecies that were perfectly fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ in his life. Over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life that the New Testament points out. And and so here's the thing. When Paul is blinded in Damascus, on the road to Damascus, and then hanging out there for three days in, in, in the little house there, until Ananias comes and prays for him to receive his sight. He receives his sight. But in that three days, while he is left in the darkness... What keeps rolling around in his head is, Saul, isn't it hard for you to kick against the goats? You think you're doing it the right way. You think that you're helping me. You think that you're serving me. You're God. But you are not serving me by doing what you're doing. But God doesn't rebuke him. 
See, I would rather have somebody who makes a mistake because he's thinking he's serving the Lord than for somebody who is just going to do something because they're supposed to with the wrong attitude, the wrong motivation. Maybe you're going to get something out of it. That's the wrong motivation. Maybe you're doing it because someone has forced you to do it. I'm going to do it, and there it is. There you go, God. I did it! I don't, God doesn't need that. Oh, man, there's a tied box back there. There's money. There, God. There you got it. Keep it. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need that. He doesn't need it. God wants willing hearts. God wants willing hearts. And and we can be unwise. We can be foolish to not see the truth. Be willing to receive rebuke. Paul's giving rebuke. He's giving rebuke and he's doing it not to beat these guys up. He's doing it because he has a passion for their righteous walk with Christ. His whole end goal is that they would have a true peace with God. And what they're doing is that they're going backwards spiritually. We'll talk about the law next week. But this is what his heart is. Paul's heart is to to not beat them down and bully them. And I know when we read these things, we look at that and go, oh, foolish Galatians, are you so foolish? Wow, he's really, really, really giving it to him. Man, he's giving it to him. Paul, go, man. No, 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 no. I don't think that Paul's beating them down with his words simply to beat them down with, their, with his words. He's, his heart is that they would be right. His heart is that they would see the error of their ways. We need people like that in our lives, gang. Guys, we need people like that in our Christian life. Do you have people that aren't afraid to come and tell you when you're out of line? If you don't, you are walking a dangerous road. I've got men, I've got women in my life that aren't afraid to tell me when I'm out of line. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to eat crow. My old mentor used to say in... I won't say it exactly how he used to do it. He used to say it from the pulpit, but I just have never really said it. Well, it's in the Bible. He says, you know what? Sometimes you just have to act like a jackass in a hailstorm and just hump over and take it. That just makes sense. Think about that for a second. You just have to sit there and think about that. If you are a donkey out in the middle of a field in a big hailstorm, have you ever, has anybody ever been in bad hail outside? Okay, if your hand didn't go up, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. But you go into a hailstorm and you don't have cover, it hurts. Just pretend a bunch of people have golf balls and you're lined up against that wall and we're all over here with golf balls and we're throwing them at you. Boom, 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 boom. How, how well would that feel? Would that be fun? You can't dodge them because it's the whole sky. It's like God's throwing a bunch of golf balls at you, you know, but not really. But maybe, I don't know. Listen, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. Think about that picture. A donkey in the middle of a field. It's coming down. There is no shelter anywhere. There's no trees. He's out in the middle of a pasture. Which kind of goes back to the old theory. If you run through rain, do you get less water than if you walked? Would you be pelted by less hailstones if you ran or if you walk? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just know that you're gonna get, it's gonna hurt. But sometimes you just have to, as that donkey, just go, you know what? Sometimes it just hurts. And he just sits there and tink, 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 tink. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. And sometimes when you have somebody who you love, man, I, I love men like Kevin. He's no, he's not here today. He's down at one of the uh, pastors, the other one of the other Calvary Chapel pastors is, is, um, I think he's on a mission trip or something like that. Down in Cuba, I think is Cuba. Pastor Chris uh, Tossinson down in Nicomas. He's on a mission trip, and Kevin's down there teaching. I just, just, I just that cracks me up. I love that man. I love that Kevin can go different places and just preach and minister to people. But Kevin is one of those guys in my life that it's not easy. Now you don't want a guy that every single time or a gal that every single time you you see him, they bring up something negative in your life because if you're that to me you you and I aren't going to see a lot of each other because if I see you coming I'm going to go a different way I mean isn't that what we do I mean my goodness every single time I see you you have something bad to say about me that's not Kevin and I always know when Kevin's going to talk to me hey you up for breakfast am I in trouble how many, how many of you guys have ever gone to breakfast with Kevin? <laughs> yeah. A few of you. Yeah. Hey, you want to go to breakfast? Sometimes. And you know, I'll, same thing with me. Hey, want to get some breakfast? Want to go to lunch? Uh-oh. What's wrong? Sometimes absolutely nothing. But when Kevin sits down and we talk a little bit of banter, you know, and then he goes, hey, uh, well... He always takes that big, deep breath. You know why? Because he respects me as his friend. He respects me as his pastor. And I respect him as a pastor, as my brother in the Lord. That has a strong, strong walk. When he takes that deep breath, I go, oh, oh, I've done something that I'm probably going to need to correct. And he'll, he'll tell me. Hey man, I just uh, I just wanted to talk to you about, and then he says it. I don't like the way that you wear your shoes. No, no, he he doesn't come up with stupid things like that. It's usually something that really I need to deal with. Now, thankfully, there hasn't been any grave sins, anything like that. But there's things that I will confront him with. There's things that he'll confront me with. It might be, hey man, you might not have handled that situation with that individual probably the best. You know, what do you mean? Tell me. And he shares his heart. And I share my heart. And then we talk through it. Nine times out of ten, I go, you know what, Kay? I call him Kay. You know what, Kay? You're right. I blew it. 
I'm going to go back to that person and talk to them. Hey, man, I, you know me. I don't want to do that. I hate doing this. But Kevin, and I will say every single time, and he'll say the same thing with me. That's why you are in my life and why you are as close to me as you are because you're not willing to let me just slide. I don't want to slide. I want somebody in my life that's going to tell me the truth. And it's hard. Oh man, is it hard? Isn't it hard? Any of you that have received some, some, some rebuke at times? What does your flesh immediately want to do? Oh yeah, well, what about you? Don't you usually come up with something that's just stupid? Didn't you park in a handicapped spot? No. Well, your tire was over on the blue line. Yeah, but we're talking about you right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, don't you understand that people, that's a breaking of God's law because it's breaking of a civil law. Just stop. Just stop. That's, you just, that's how silly you sound. That's how silly I sound when we try to justify ourselves. Sometimes you just got to act like a donkey in a hailstorm. You just got to hump over and take it. But don't just take it, learn from it, and grow from it. That's Paul's heart. I am not beating you down simply to beat for beat down's sake. I'm, I'm trying to bring you to a place where you're free in Christ. Because someone is trying to put a, a noose on your neck. And it's not a leash. It's a noose that will eventually kill you. Are you willing to hear from people who just want to tell you the truth? It was humorous today, but you see that there was some truth there. Sometimes when I, when, when, you know, someone comes in for counseling, they go, I just don't know what to do. My wife and I will come in and we'll counsel. If we've ever counseled you, you'll know what I'm about to say. We'll say, well, listen, you're a Christian. If someone came to you and said to you what you have just said to us, how would you have counseled them? You see, sometimes counseling can be so simple if you just want to do it God's way. If you just want to do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Just do what God's called you to do. And if you do what God's called you to do, and that you can close your eyes with a with a with a with a peaceful heart at the end of the night, when you go to bed that night, man, you can put a W in the column for that day. But be sure there's another day tomorrow with a blank square. There's either going to be an L or a W in it. But you know what? If you purpose in your heart, if I purpose in my heart, like Daniel purposed in his heart, not to defile himself with the things that might be permissible. You purpose in your heart that today I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve the Lord because today is the day that the Lord has made and I am going to what? Rejoice. And I'm going to be glad in it. And I'm going to do what Christ has called me to do. I'm going to follow the Lord today. And, and so when I counsel and I say, hey, let's turn the tables. I'm coming to you. I just said what you just said to me. Counsel me. And oftentimes people just counsel themselves. And then counseling can be easy. And I just go, okay. That'll be $100. Not really. I never charge for counseling. I never, I never charge for counseling. Here's the thing. 
just do the right thing and love people. And when you see brothers and sisters that are slipping, don't be afraid to go confront, not to beat them down. We're not trying to beat people down. We're trying to keep our family together. Not Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, but God's kingdom. Know that when you confront somebody, don't ever go with an authoritative mind in you thinking that you are lording anything over anyone. Because you know what? When you go and talk to somebody, you are talking to God's child. You're talking to God's kid. You be careful in how you talk to that kid. Because you're going to have to answer to her to her or his dad. <laughs> That's God's kid. That's not yours. That's God's kid. You be careful in how you talk to that person. But be sure. As in my family, when I'm doing something wrong, when my wife does something wrong, when my son always does something wrong, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> like now, <laughs> reading his phone. How long is he going to just continue to read his phone until... <laughs> You were into the into the study, right? You were that that. <laughs> so, <laughs> here's the thing: when something like that is wrong, we we will call each other out, not to beat him up. And you go, you just beat him up. I didn't. I always embarrass my son. I'm sorry. He he will embarrass me when he gets the opportunity. He does. It's just what it is. I love that kid, man, with everything it's in me. But I have a great, great, great relationship with that boy. And and here's the thing. We do that because we love each other. We want to keep our family together. When I come and talk to you, I do it not because I want to beat you down, not because I want to drive you out. I do it because I love you. And I want our family to work in unison. I, I want our family to grow in Christ. I want our family to be pure before the eyes of the Lord. I want... I want our family to be a family. In the eyes of the Lord, that's what I want. That's what Paul wants. That's what Jesus wants. He wants that out of all of us kids. So be don't don't be too quick when you get a rebuke to just cast it off. In fact, let it be a litmus test for you. If someone comes and says something to you, that kind of is confronting you on something. If your immediate reaction is, get away from me, man. Know this, you have moved yourself over into the F column. You're failing as a fool because you're not willing to listen. You're not willing to listen. I've taken a lot of rebuke in my life from people and sometimes it's unfounded. It's Sometimes you just go, what in the world? Did, where did that come from? Take it, receive it, and then take it home and ask the Lord, Lord, did you send that person to me? Is that really what's happening in my life? And if so, root it out. God, show me. And I I ask you that in true honesty, Lord, is that in my life? Because if it's that person sees it, maybe it is. And the Lord's going to reveal to you whether it's right or not. And if it's not, Brush it off. Brush it off. And be thankful that somebody was willing to come and confront you, but they were wrong. 
doesn't mean that they are wrong, but go go to the Lord. Make sure that what what they're saying to you is right. Because this kind of a message can be dangerous for those who love to go and confront people on their sin. You heard what Pastor Don said. I have to come and tell you this, or I've got to do that. I'm going to say this to you, and you got to listen to what it is that I'm saying. You know, because Pastor Don said, I'm coming to rebuke you, and you got to listen, because if you don't listen, you're going to be a fool. If you want to be wise, listen to what I'm saying. Listen, if it's according to the Word of God, good. If it's not, stop it. Let's be a family in unison. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. We bless you, Lord, because you've given us life. We thank you, God, because you are so good. Thank you, God, for men like Paul that are willing to place their relationships on the line and call people out for going down wrong roads. Lord, if it were not for Paul calling people out, who knows what Christianity would look like today. And and, and I know, Lord, that you're much bigger than Paul. You're much bigger than the Galatians. And that, Lord, you could have figured it out. You could have worked it out a different way, and you would have. But that you used a man by the name of Paul to do that. I'm grateful, Lord. I'm grateful that you use men like that to, to maintain a purity in your church, in your family, in your body, amongst your kids. Help us, Lord, to be men and women who are willing to walk purely with you. And when we stray off the path, Lord, give us all in this room the confidence and the boldness to swallow hard and take that deep breath and confront our brother or sister, not because we want to beat them down and make them think that we're better than them spiritually, because we are not but because we want to restore a fellowship. We want to restore a relationship. We want our family to grow together. If somebody comes and talks to us, Lord, help us to to not receive it as a fool, but help us to receive it as a wise man or a wise woman. That we would receive it. And then take it before you and allow you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to, to, to work. throughout every aspect of our being to reveal to us whether or not it's true and if it is, what it is that we need to do in order to make it right. Because Lord, the ultimate goal is you and a walk with you with innocent and clean hands. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for today. Bless the rest of this weekend, Lord. We dedicate it to you in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.